Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where the studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Welcome back to Cricket by Dummies, your weekly cricket show where we discuss the entire world of cricket, not just Australia, because, you know, there are some other places out there besides us. Yeah, there is other countries on the planet that matter as well. Yeah, not just Australia and America, because it seems to be sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, that's what the media would have us know. But in the cricket media this week, there is something going on in Pakistan. What's going on, Lachlan Russ? Mohammed Hafiz has gotten reported again for a suspect bowling action. This is the third time he's got in trouble for a bo- suspect bowling action, which essentially means he bends his arm too much, and essentially it's like an unfair advantage. So technically he's cheating. Yeah, which makes us as terrible regular cricketers, like as in like we're terrible at re- being regular cricketers, that makes us feel a lot better about ourselves because it means that, you know, when we're bowling with our dead straight arm, we're, we're at least doing it fairly. We at least have some dignity about us, Alex. Yeah, definitely. This will be a story that's not unfamiliar to those from Sri Lanka who have experienced many suspect bowling arm allegations against their great hero, Murali Muraliduran. Yes, he... I got had, that right, didn't I? Yeah, well, you got it better than I would have, so I'm glad that you said that and I didn't in the end. No, I'm sure they're used to it. I'm sure they're glad to see it on the other side of the field this time. Not that if he'd been bowling regularly, Sri Lanka would have won. No, definitely not. Um, I actually have my own story of suspect bowling. I once played um, with a teammate of mine who uh, had a few complaints over the years for suspect bowling action and at one point he even went away, got it fixed and came back. And one day after he got it fixed, we were playing in a two-day game and he's an opening bowler, quick bowler, especially for the lower levels that I play at. He's very quick. And after um, about, it was about 15 overs into the day, he was an opening bowler and he'd, he'd, already got, um, he'd already got a few wickets, looked dangerous early and the batsman that he got out had clearly felt uncomfortable by his pace. He wasn't like terrifying or anything but it was one of those guys that you think shit if you bowled me a bouncer I might be in trouble here and one day like one after one of the overs the captain came out and said that's it we're we're not going to let him bowl he's clearly throwing it and we were like well you're just scared of the speed aren't you it's what it's one of those situations you're just like, oh, that's so pathetic of you to be more scared of this guy's bowling than to just play by the rules. Well, the captain's obviously speaking on behalf of the ICC. He's obviously a representative of them at a local club cricket. And obviously he can make the rules whatever he wants. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Whatever suits his team, because that's local level cricket for you. It's not about having fun anymore these days. <laughs> it's about, God damn it! if we hadn't lost those two wickets, we might have gone on to win... The World Cup. It's all about winning. You know, the umpires always screw us over. Yeah. Oh, let's just, you know, blame the umpires, why don't we, Alex? Yeah, while we're at it. Bowling actions, umpires, so many factors that aren't in our control. Because we've never umpired sports before. No, not once. Uh, We have an excellent show coming up for you tonight, Uh, aside from our usual new segment. We've got some great stuff. We will be interviewing Victorian and Australian player Molly Strano. Woo! Well, we've already interviewed Well, but we've already interviewed her. You guys will get to hear the interview. Yeah, you can pretend it's live and then we can sound really good. <laughs> um, we will also be talking about uh, the first women's ODI in the Ashes, which occurred yesterday. 
That was a really good game. I, I hope you all watched it because it was an absolute thriller, exactly what you wanted from the Ashes and exactly what we expected, I guess. Agreed. Uh, we will continue on with our story time segment, which we had a great time with last week. And we've got a couple more perler of stories for you guys this week. Yes, I always have an abundance of stories for you all. Um, and then we'll be wrapping up this week with Chalk's Famous End segment. But first... It's not famous. I've done it once. <laughs> it will be famous <laughs> And I literally time. just complained about autocorrect. <laughs> like, it's not even really cricket related. It will become famous in time. Okay. I'm hoping. But you're setting very high expectations <laughs> for me very early, which is dangerous as but an amateur on live radio. Can you finally let me do the news? No. No, go ahead. But first... It's time for the news. Bum, bum, bum. That's just... If I, would, if I were you guys, I would tune out now. That would have been the deal breaker for me. That would have been too far. <laughs> JLT Cup final was Saturday. Let's talk about that. Um, WA versus South Australia, the battle of the two Australias, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> okay. That was how I framed it in my Victoria's mind. Because Victoria's not part of Australia then. No, no, no. But they're, they're, they're the teams with Australia in their name. Yeah, they're Besides the Cricket that, Australia. They're the states that like lacked any creativity to come up with like a name for their state. So yeah. they're just like, well, we're kind of in South Australia, despite that... They're Victoria, not even that south. Yeah, Victoria and Tasmania are more south than <laughs> at least Western Australia is like the most west you're going to get. Yeah, but no, it was a it wasn't a too even a game. Uh, Western Australia kept doing what they've been doing best, and that's winning. Um, south Australia came out and made two forty eight for nine, and well, it's worth noting that our man Hilton cut wrong, as we're going to start <laughs> calling him now. Obviously Australian standard because he got picked for the Australian side. Uh, had the worst economy rate of all the bowlers. Hmm. hmm. Australian selectors. Maybe he was the wrong selection. Yes. That's the joke when we say Hilton Cart wrong. But sure, Alex, why don't you point it out for everyone? <laughs> I just I just thought it would be good. Um, this was kind of bogus, this whole match, because the Western Australians got back several Australian standard players. The only real weakness you would have said going into this final with their lineup was that maybe their bowling attack wasn't incredible, and then they got back Berendorf and called to Nile, and that, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was over. Like, yeah. it was actually Australia versus South Australia in that respect then. Yeah. No, so Western Australia chased down that 248 with 38 balls left because Mitch Marsh was just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep playing domestic cricket and keep hitting them to all parts of the ground. He scored 80. Joe Many, our commoner, got very commoner figures, which is great news for all of us. Uh, he went eight overs for 51 runs, which I go eight overs for 151 runs, so <laughs> it's not that bad, but I just thought since Joe Manny's now a, a f favourite in our uh, Cricket by Dummies, that you should all hear this vital information. And Sean Marsh has been named Player of the Series, so I'll be curious to see whether he gets an Australian nod. What else happened in international cricket this week, Chuck? India is playing against New Zealand, so Australia's left India and New Zealand's come over, and New Zealand won! <laughs> <laughs> Something that we couldn't do, but no, New Zealand just strolls in first game. You know, It's like, you know what? The Aussies can't do it. We can. So there we are, Australian team. The New Zealand team, the trans-Tasman rivals, are officially better than us. If oh. anyone didn't realise that already, this was the nice little bit of confirmation you needed. Yes. Yes. This was like the dagger in the coffin. Is that, is that the nail in the coffin? Nail but... in the coffin. Although you could... I guess that a dagger is just a really large nail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, as you can tell, I nailed that. Oh, you need to just go away. Yes, sorry. Now you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> Coley hit a century of uh, 121 in the end, basically a runner ball. 
Tom Latham was actually the top run scorer for New Zealand. I don't know about you, but that came as a little bit of a surprise to me. This came as a massive surprise. Like, if you look at the New Zealand team, it's not good, but there's like a player or two in it that's good enough to score a century. Tom Latham was not one of those players. Not in the slightest. Like, I didn't know what to say about this. I was literally speechless. I'm like... Tom Latham scored a century in India, but half of our side can't score 12. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of our best players average, like, 30, and he's currently averaging 102. Do you remember when Luke Ronke left playing for Australia to go play for New Zealand? Do you reckon we could convince Tom Latham to come do that? <laughs> well, Open the batting with David Warner? Well, Luke Ronke looked like an idiot a few years ago for leaving Australia going to New Zealand. Now he looks like a genius. <laughs> Even if he's not in the side, he's in a better side at the moment. Definitely. Um... South Africa continued their series with Bangladesh, and if it wasn't bad before, it just got worse. Yeah, Bangladesh, just they keep losing, but it's not like they're losing in style. There is no style about this whatsoever. I honestly have been watching just like the first five overs of some of South Africa's innings. They've given up. Like they try for about the first four overs to get a wicket because yeah. they're like, this is our chance if there was ever a chance, and they don't get one, and then they just stop caring. And to be honest, I don't blame them. <laughs> On the bright yeah. side for Bangladesh, though, they have only got two games left in <laughs> South Africa. I feel so like... this horror series is nearly over. I feel like every time we check back in with that series, it's just to say, they'll just hope it's over soon. That's yeah. basically just the joke over and over again. Well, they're, like, they're going to start blaming the people who um, organised the series, being like, why did you organise such a long series? This is ridiculous. Like, you don't, you obviously don't have our best wishes at heart. No. The last two one days were pretty one-sided with South Africa getting up by 100 runs and 200 runs, including uh, Game 2 where A.B. de Villiers hit a very impressive 170-odd out against probably the best opposition he's ever batted against. Yeah, it was just an incredible bowling lineup, bowling <laughs> half-tracker after half-tracker, and A.B. de Villiers did what A.B. de Villiers does, and that's score runs at an incredible rate. It reminded me of that innings he had in the World Cup in Australia where he hit like 140 or 40. Yeah, yeah very impressive Except stuff. Except this was against Bangladesh, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> um, Zimbabwe and West Indies are playing a test series right now, and I believe you have the live scores for us. Yes. Well, actually, I have the live scores as of five minutes ago. You caught me off guard. No. Sorry, Alex. Why don't you tell us the live scores from five minutes ago then, you incompetent person? So West Indies are playing Zimbabwe at the moment. It's Day three has just started. And so this is the first game we've had live whilst we're on. But it's West Indies versus Zimbabwe. So does anyone really go no. in the cricketing world? Well, so if Zimbabwe were to win, that would be a big deal. Are they going to win? Uh, no. <laughs> just to put it bluntly, I actually do have live scores now. So, West Indies got 219 in the first innings. Uh, Shy Hope, our man, the Hope, 90 the, not out. The great Black Hope. <laughs> the great Hope, yes. We'll call it that. He got 219 and then Zimbabwe followed that up with 159. And currently, the West Indies are 155 for two, so kind of blowing that game out, which is a little sad because if Zimbabwe wins a game, it's it's great news. They'll have another chance later on in the series. Pakistan and Sri Lanka are coming close to um, Sri Lanka's tour of Pakistan. And it's been a pretty one-sided ODI series. Uh, Sri, Lanka are in, uh, sorry, Sri Lanka are now losing 4-0 in this series. Pakistan have been are very effective with their bowling. Um, Sri Lanka have only been able to make 209, 187, 208 and 173 in their four matches as they have been quite resoundingly beaten. You are looking at me like you have just the most incredible bit of information to give. So I'm really excited to what you have to say. This game has just started live. The fifth ODI oh, has really? just started live. It is three and a half overs in and Sri Lanka's lost four wickets.
wickets. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of their really? batting... Really? So that, who got the wickets? Uh, I can get you that in a second. But no, speaking of their batting <laughs> not doing so well, they literally lost four wickets in the first three and a half overs. That is incredible. Uh, four wickets have gone to Usman Khan. Oh, jeez. He has four wickets for seven runs in two overs. That's just incredible. Yeah, so we're literally just giving out live scores here on Cricket by Dummies. What a, what a special we had for you this week. Uh, it's going to be a cracker of an episode. You'll hear more from Molly Strato after the song, which is the Naked and Famous Youngblood. That was the Naked and Famous Youngblood. You are here at, on Sin 90.7 with Cricket by Dummies. And just to give you all a little live update on that Sri Lankan game, the guy who's got four wickets, Usman Khan, is playing his first game. This is the first game he's ever played of international cricket, and he is rattling this Sri Lankan top order. He was actually on a hat-trick at some point. Uh, he got hit for four on his hat-trick ball. But, I mean, if I was 23 years old and I had a hat-trick in an international game, I would be pretty nervous. I tried to pass it off, but when you said it was Khan, I was like, who's that? But yeah. then again, a lot of the Pakistanis are called Khan. So to have some guy from Pakistan called Khan take a lot of wickets, it wasn't really a big shock. Yeah. Well, I can't take a lot of wickets. <laughs> no, anyways, so right now we are going to head to the Molly Strano interview. Uh, for those who don't know much about her, she's played a few T20 internationals for Australia. She really burst onto the scene with five for 10 against New Zealand earlier in the year. We had the privilege of speaking to her, and here it is. So, uh, Molly, what made you fall in love with cricket? Um, I think it was just it's like the camaraderie, really, just to be able to play with your mates all day and, and have fun doing so. So, yeah, I think it's just being um, just the social sort of nature of the sport made me fall in love with it. You've seen a pretty meteoric rise over the last few years in cricket, developing from local level up into playing for Australia. What was it like when you first got that phone call letting you know that you were going to be playing for the Southern Stars? Oh, it was unreal. Um, I wasn't expecting it, um, and I didn't even have the selector's number in my phone, so I actually didn't answer it because I was, I was unsure who the, what, what, not, whose number it was. Um, and then I had a really, um, a really nice little voice message waiting for me there. So, yeah, it was an unreal day, and I'll never forget it. Um, too, I was sitting at sort of my local cafe, and when I listened back to that voice message, so yeah, it was a really special moment and a, a day I'll never forget. Well. Uh... Speaking of cafes, you are a self-confessed brunch expert, are you? Yep. Yes, being a Melbourne girl, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an avid bruncher, so yeah, I do love to get out and about and try try different cafes around Melbourne. Well, most of the time when uh, Alex and I play cricket, we're out well before lunch, so can you give us any tips on like cafes to go to? <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on area you're in. Um, I'm, I'm out west, um, so I've got a few little places that I, my local horn is... Um, the Footscray Milking Station, and there's a few other good little cafes out west too. So I've got a quite extensive list, which I can send to you guys um, once I get off the phone here. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm an avid bruncher. Um, so you generally considered, I, I, from what I would interpret, as more of a bowling all-rounder, but you've definitely looked to try and increase your batting uh, skills over the last few seasons. Were you pretty excited when you heard that Meg Lanning was getting injured and you'd get a better shot up the order? No, I wasn't actually because most of the time Meg wins the games off her own bat, so it was a bit disappointing not to have her around and and to be able to help us post some um, some big totals for Vic this year. But um, on another front, I'm I'm happy that I don't have to bowl to her at club cricket this year because she normally um, breaks my heart there. So it's been a bit of a bittersweet um, um, discovery. But yeah, um, it was good to see. I saw Meg the other day at spirit training and her rehab's gone along well, so she'll be back. Um, 
better and stronger in no time, no doubt. Now, you were an, actually an opening batsman earlier in your career, but you switched. How was the change? How did you find it? It was almost a forced change. Um, I, I was rookie listed to Vic as, as an opening bat, um, and there was about a two, two to three season, uh, two to three seasons when I was probably between the ages of 18 to or 16 to 18 where I couldn't score a run and couldn't pretty much hit it off the square. So I decided to give um, spin bowling a go and it, and it sort of um, went really well. So, yeah, it was a bit of a forced change from batter to bowler. But, yeah, in the end, it sort of all worked out well, I guess. Well, did you find that it helped that you were coming from, like, a batting background so you knew how to outthink a batsman when you were bowling? Yeah, I, I, I sort of still do think that, like, as being a junior and coming through the ranks, I was a batter. So I still sort of do have a batter's mentality so I guess that does help a little bit because um yeah you can just read little mannerisms about what batters are doing and what areas they could they could potentially be strong at hitting to and yeah just try to be a couple of steps before the game so I think it does help a little bit yeah definitely now let's talk ashes because they're coming up on Sunday and I don't know about you but we're pretty excited I'm going to assume that you're pretty excited as well um from an outside perspective of somebody that's not been picked in the ODI and test side, which we'll get to later anyway, but um, from somebody that still has the experience of being around these players, uh, how confident are you in their ability to get up on Sunday? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've, been, I've, I've been around the squad a fair bit over the last sort of six months. I was up there, up, up in Brisbane pre-Ashes. We had a three-week camp, um, oh no, two-week camp, and there was a three-week camp um, pre the World Cup, so... I, I see, I've seen firsthand how hard those girls train and, you know, how professional they are and, and how talented they are. So, yeah, I'm backing them in on Sunday and, I'm, yeah, I'm backing them to to um, retain the Ashes over over this summer. Um, but, yeah, a lot of, all the girls are flying and, um, yeah, I expect them to go really well and, and they deserve to, to um, based on their preparation. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Sunday. Can't wait to, to follow it. For the fans watching... Home, are there any of the Australian members in particular we th you think we should keep a close eye on that will be particularly damaging? Yeah, I think um, Elise Falani is going to have a really good Ashes series um, and you can't go past Elise Perry as well. Um, I was in Brisbane last week and I was, and I was bowling to Elise and, um, yeah, she managed to um, break my heart a little bit. She was hitting me all over the park and um, Elise Falani hitting them really well at the moment too and she'll probably have a bit more responsibility in the team with the bat. Um, with Meg not being around, so I, I think they're two players that um, the viewers at home should be watching because I think they're going to have a really big, um, a really big Ashes campaign. Well, sorry to move away from that for a second, but you actually bowled out Elise Villani in the last Big Bash League. How was that? Was there some locker room banter afterwards? <laughs> yeah, Elise and I get along really well because um, she used to play for Victoria and and we're really good mates over that sort of that period when she was, she was living in Victoria. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little bit of banter. Um, it's hard because um, I think we played them a couple of days before and she was smashing me all around. Eddie had it and I got the last laugh at um, Campbell last year. I bowled her out in, in the power play, so I was happy about that. So um, after the Big Bash last year, we're one and one, I think. So, yeah, we'll resume that battle again um, in the Big Bash this season. Um, speaking of the Big Bash, it's been an incredible rise for both the women's and the men's in the Big Bash over the last few years with like crazy record numbers of attendance and people watching at home. you got to tell us what's it like playing in front of 10,000, especially as somebody that doesn't regularly get to experience that kind of um, crowd. What was it like really getting that kind of really big fan base behind you? Yeah, it was, it was 
Oh, yeah, it was unreal, especially um, in year one. Um, all, like, you know, you just play club cricket and you, you're lucky to get 30 people there. And then all, the next week you're playing at the MCG and we had 14,000 at our at our um, Melbourne derby. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit um, better prepared for it this year. Um, I wasn't getting so nervous before games and even the televised games, you got really nervous for them too because you had all, you know, eyes glued on, on your game from all over the country. So... Yeah, you sort of get accustomed to it, but it was definitely a big shock in year one. Um, it was completely different, and yeah, it just really um, helped ramp up the nerves, I guess. So, but yeah, you, you sort of do come accustomed to it. But in year one, it was a massive shock. <laughs> yeah, well, Alex and I do radio, and we're nervous with just about twenty listeners, so uh, we can't imagine what it's like doing um, it in front of ten thousand people. So. <laughs> With the Big Bash, a lot of the women's games get used as precursors for the men's games. Uh, yep. Just your thoughts on that. Do you like it? Yeah, I, I really do like it, especially when we play before um, the Renegade men. It's, it's you know, it's an, at, at playing home games at Etihad. It's, it's a really nice feeling um, to get, you know, both teams on the park on the same day and to get our fan base, you know, that they get to get um, two games for one and... And they and the Renegades um, do a really good job of promoting us, and we we tend to get good numbers at all our home games, and we have double headers. So, yeah, I quite like it. Um, it's really cool. And then most of the time, when you do have double headers, you, you know you're playing on test venues and really cool first class cricket venues. So, yeah, that's also a positive as well. But yeah, I really like the double headers. I think they're really cool. Um, a big part of this uh, coming along with all of these factors in the rise of women's cricket, in particular, is you having to step up with a certain level of professionalism that's now kind of expected uh, of you. How does it feel to suddenly have not only like little kids looking up to you and aspiring to be you, but also have people wanting to talk to you? I'm not talking about people like us, but you know, like actual <laughs> journalists and other people that wanted to talk to you about your career, about tactics and everything. Do you suddenly find yourself feeling a little out of your depth or are you feeling really confident about it? Where are you coming at it from? Um, yeah, it is. It is really different, sort of like over the last two years. You know, um, people that you, like even just on social media and stuff, people wanting to connect with you and, and chat to you on that. And you know, out in the street, if you, you've got your renegades kit on, people can like people do identify you now, which is which is really weird. Um, we've never, well, I've never experienced that before. But it's really cool. You just, I think, you just got to embrace it. And um, you know, I'm a bit of a cricket snuff anyway. So if anyone wants to come up and have a chat to me about cricket in the street, I'm more than happy to oblige. So. Yeah, it, it's really cool, and it, yeah, as I said, it is it is sort of a foreign concept to have people recognise you in the street and and people, you know, from the Herald Sun and the Age wanting to chat to you and write articles about you. It's it's quite different, and it's something that you know we people all us big bash girls are starting to sort of get our head around, and yeah, it's sort of part and parcel now. So yeah, it's it's you know, I think you've got to embrace it. It's a bit of fun, and yeah, it's it's really good. That was part one of our interview with Most. me. Who do we interview? Molly Strano. Oh, my God. We <laughs> are actually trying to organise an interview with Megan Schutt as well. That is to clear up the confusion, so Alex wasn't yeah, just getting names sorry. wrong. <laughs> Anyways, that was Molly Strano part one. We have got more of her coming later in a second part. As And now we're going to move on to the Women's Ashes to segue just nicely between the two. And the game was yesterday, Alex. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. It was great. Um, I loved being able to tune in and just have 
Ashes cricket there. Like, I know a lot of people um, don't respect the women's game with the status in right now, but I love it. It's fantastic. It was great to watch. Fantastic standard in the game. There was some really good cricket all around from both sides. In particular, the innings from Alex Blackwell, just to steady the ship from Australia, get him across the line. Fantastic stuff. Beautiful batting. She looked calm, composed, in control. I thought it was great stuff. What about you? Yeah, well, Blackwell's innings was amazing. As you pointed out, she came in at 4 for 87, and the asking rate... Uh, was already above five, so she was under a lot of pressure early in her innings, and the match was on the line. Like, England was firmly in control, and she just steered the ship back in Australia's favour, and she batted out the entire innings right to the end, and it was a great knock um, from her, and she deserved man of the match that came with it. Also, another player that did really well for Australia was Ash Gardner. Um, She was fantastic with the ball, got three for 47 with her left arm off breaks. Yeah, she's a spinner, off yep. spinner. Yeah, and then she came in at the dying stages where we needed 48 off 44. And as a lower order batsman, you know, you're not expecting it as much apart from maybe a big swing and occasionally a ding. But <laughs> but no, she came in and she smoked it 27 off 18, hit two really big sixes and just arrested momentum from England yet again. There was a lot of moments in this game where either team could have taken it and ended up winning the game and it just ended up being that Australia took more of those. Ash Gardner is one of the things that's representative of what I love about this Australia team, the way it's structured. Is um, So Ash Gardner came in at um, eight in this game. And she came in after Talia McGrath at seven and Alex Blackwell at six. So we know how good Alex Blackwell is. So to have her at six shows that the top order bats really well. But then that they've gone so deep with this bowling attack, which is so good with their batting, that Jess Jonathan's batting at 10, who has a very strong record in international standard, has made 99 against England in the last Ashes. Very good batsman. To have Talia McGrath, Ash Gardner, Jess Jonathan come in at 8, 9, 10, it means that even if the top order didn't have its best day, like it did in this game, um, really only um, a few batsmen getting starts and Alex Blackwell being the only one to really go on with it, it means that you just got a little bit more... Um, Depth. 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 And not only depth, but just you can feel a little bit more confident. So even if you are to reach, say, as in this game where they reached 5 for... 231. Five, they were, they were oh. five for 150 oh, in this game. Uh, they were five for 150 when the fifth wicket fell. Um, just to then go, great, well, we can we can compose ourselves. We know we've still got that batting talent to chase down a total like 230 when maybe a, a side that isn't that doesn't bat as deep suddenly looks at that 230 from five for 150 and goes, oh, gee, are we really going to make this? Yeah, there is a confidence in this Australian side, even without Meg Lanning, that is contagious. And they're all very confident batsmen, or competent, I should say. And Competent yet, and competent. Well, why not both? <laughs> uh, from the England side of things, so they posted 9 for 228, which is a little below what they would have liked. They, they had a lot of contributions. If you have a look at their batting uh, scorecard, not a single one of their batsmen didn't reach double figures. However, they didn't get a half century from any of their batsmen. Yeah, so, so five of their top six scored between... 20 and 50. Yeah, so they all got starts. So, like, there was a good um, rate of runs they were scoring across the innings, but because none of them kicked on, they really couldn't accelerate greatly towards the end of their innings, and they just kept losing wickets at a constant interval. And so they kind of slagged their way to 228. Yeah, it was once the Australians took control, they lost Nat, uh, Nat Sever at towards the, I think they were about on 190 when she fell. And from there, the Australian bowlers just really took control. Um, 
Shoot came back on and took a couple wickets. Uh, Gardner took a couple as well, and Elise Perry got one. And that was it. They, they fell from, I think they were four for 190 to be all out for less than 230. Well, I think the most interesting thing of the bowlers from Australia was uh, Wellington, I believe, is her. Yeah. Name. yeah. A leggy. Didn't get a wicket, but my God, she Bowled beat. beautifully. Shane Warne would be proud. <laughs> like, that was... That was some really good leg spin bowling. I love watching leg spin bowling. It, there is something about it, just the spin, the dip, and just the ability to beat all sorts of batsmen that's just so great to watch. It was a fantastic start to this series. Um, an excellent performance by Australia. They got the do- job done in tight circumstances, and we're keen for the rest of the games to come. And uh, We got some more content for you later, but first, Peking Duck with Stranger. That was Peking Duck Stranger. It is about time we had some Peking Duck, honestly, Alex. It's been a little too long. They're a class act, aren't they? Yeah, one of my favourite bands, definitely. And by Peking Duck, we mean, like, the band, not not the food. Although, any donations of Peking Duck are well and truly appreciated by the Cricket by Dummies Corporation. <laughs> We're a corporation now. Yeah, definitely. And if Peking Duck themselves would like to come on the show, then we'll enjoy that too. Yeah, either or. If you can donate Peking Duck to us in terms of the band, then that's, that's cool as well, because they're a commodity now. It's time for story time. That's that's not a very good that's not no, a very good introduction. I, I didn't know if I needed to do any like sound effects. Okay, we with need that. to we need to we need to do that again, but with more energy. Right, yeah. you ready? It's time for story, story time. time. Yeah, that, that was okay. Yeah, we, we still need we'll work. work on it for next week. <laughs> Anyways, so last week we talked to you all about the most embarrassing runout. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. This week. Most embarrassing just story. Story in general. Yeah. And we have a couple of absolute pearls for you. Would you like me to kick it off? Yeah. Okay, so this dates back to a good six or seven years ago, me playing in the under-12s. It was a vastly different time period back then. There was no war. Well, there was. There was no famine. Okay, there was that too. But, but. What, what there was that's definitely the same as there is today is that... I had a definite issue with my ability to score runs. <laughs> has that ever changed? No. <laughs> that has been present across my entire career. However, on this particular day, having had a pretty rough season, um, I was given the opportunity to bat up the order. Came in at four. Oh, that's a bad came idea. Came in at four, I know. You know, it's like that's a top-order batsman position, the expectation that you score runs. And uh, <laughs> you can guess where this story goes now. <laughs> oh, wow. Um... So I came, came in at four. Now, the openers made about a solid stand of about 50. Like, they both got settled in. Then we lost one. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I'm next in. The other batsman comes in, the number three, and he nicks off first ball. <laughs> and so I am in for a hat-trick delivery. Now, oh, I've, no. this is the first time and only time I've ever faced a hat-trick delivery since then. This the most pressure I've ever personally felt going out to bat. I was so stressed. Hat-trick delivery, and I've got to see it out, right? And especially considering I'm not a good batsman, if I'd come out at hat-trick delivery batting 11, I probably would have felt a lot more confident than coming out at hat-trick delivery batting 4. Well, did the field come in as well? That didn't yes. help. The yeah, field yeah, was right up on you. And I'm the kind of batsman that liked to push and poke when I block, so it's, it's very likely that I could poke one straight up. So I'm very nervous. The guy's bowling solid meds, like, and by solid meds, I mean under 12 standard solid meds, like, yep. so it's probably moving at about six kilometres an hour. In fact, Trevor Chappell probably just walked up and rolled the ball across the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the kid comes over, he's bowling solid meds, and he bowls one, and I'm nervous. Before he's even released the ball, I'm nervous. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? It's down lake. I'm suddenly feeling a lot better. I've gone, right, all I need to do is just tuck this behind. I'm going to get multiple runs here. Get off the mark, survive the hat-trick ball. It's all going to be fine, right? 
tuck it down the leg side. That's what I thought. It's that simple. Yeah, it's just that simple. That's all I got to do. The ball doesn't bounce quite as much as I thought it would. Um, I thought it was going to stay low. Uh, so I thought it was going to bounce a bit more. It stays low a little bit. As so I go to turn it, it bounces up, hits the tip of my elbow, deflects down, and takes off the top nail. <laughs> I was bowled on a hat-trick ball. First ball, my first delivery, of course by a ball that was going down the leg side, missing the stumps by a good foot at least, which hit my elbow and went onto the stumps. <laughs> that is the most embarrassed I've ever felt in a cricket game. I, I nearly cried walking off the field. I was absolutely traumatised. I'd never felt so embarrassed as well. Yeah. Just, just to come off and think, oh my God, I actually just got out in a hat-trick ball after it hit my goddamn elbow. Did you have like an elbow pad on or just... No, no. It was just clean off my actual elbow. It's off the absolute tip. Just bang off it, straight onto the bale, knocked the one bale off and that was it. They went nuts. Yes. They went absolutely nuts. They couldn't believe it. I was I was shocked. Anyway, that's my story. Did, I think it's a pretty good one. Did you have a bruise there for like a week? And the, nah, every I didn't time you have look a bruise. at your elbow, you're just reminded of how incompetent a batter you are. Reminded of the trauma. <laughs> yes. That is a great deal of trauma. Oh my God. Uh, well, how cool would it be, right, if yeah. we one week did, like, a quest, like a story, just like the greatest hat trick you've ever seen, and that guy posted on the, <laughs> on the page, he's like, I was going for a hat trick and I was bowling my solid meds. <laughs> it was kind of like under 12 standard, like, someone could have rolled it faster. <laughs> and I bowled it down leg side and my heart dropped. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, this is going for runs. This batsman's in at number four. He can't be that bad. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then he's like, but the idiot missed it and it hit his elbow and went onto the stumps. <laughs> that would it's, make my day. If you random person are out there, please let me know. I would love to talk to you about what happened. Because <laughs> hopefully you got at least some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. So I tell you, I didn't. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> he's going to remember that. There's no way he's forgotten that. No way that. to forget that. Right, what is your story, Lachlan? I don't Ross? think I can top that now. but uh, Give it a shot. I'll give it a real shot. So a few years ago, I was filling in for my uncle's team, and it's a seniors team. So there's a bunch of... as we've pointed out like 50 year olds running around and I'm about 16 or 17, just like going across, gliding across the turf compared to them. And I am by no means a quick runner whatsoever. So uh, I'm like, okay, I, I could have a good day here. I could have a really good day because they weren't bowling quick whatsoever. So I come in to bat at about number six, right? And I'm a terrible batsman. I, I don't know if I've made a point of that yet, but I am. Now I've come in at number six and they're, they're bowling there, you know, when I say meds, I don't mean under 12 meds. I mean, like, seniors meds, which is even slower. <laughs> so Trevor Chapel could seen roll a, the ball twice. If you've ever seen a 65-year-old man try and charge in, that's what meds is. <laughs> yeah, but half of them just go off, like, five-step run-ups. Yeah. Like, if they do charge in, it's probably not the safest thing. <laughs> that's um, when the heart attacks start happening. Yeah, I'm sure OH&S would have a word with us if that happened. No, so I've actually got my eye in, and I'm actually batting all right, and... What but were I'm you not, on in saying that? I was on 10. Okay. Close to my highest score. No, I'm kidding. I have actually made a big 12 score. once. <laughs> no, my highest score is a little higher than that, but that can... Yeah, sorry, 14. That, my highest score can stay uh, confidential for now. Yeah, you don't want everyone to know it was 16. No. Are you just going to keep... <laughs> are you trying to prove to us you can do two times tables? <laughs> Because yeah. you're doing a really good job, Alex. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, no. So um, 
it's getting towards the end of the innings because I, I came in and we were in a bit of a collapse, so I've batted a bit slower than I normally do, although I can't score runs freely, <laughs> so a lot of them through uh, slip cordon as well. Anyways, um, so I've been told to hurry it up. And so I get one delivery right, and I try and absolutely slog it through <laughs> mid-wicket. But I, I like, um, completely mistime it. So there'll be heaps of time to get a single. Yeah. And the old man at the other end who's batting with me is, like, trying to take a run. He's like, yeah, there's a single there. And if he says there's a single there, there's a single there. And I send him back. I'm just like, no, I've got this. And then, so he's, like, really upset with me. And he comes up after the delivery. is like, no, dude, we need to get runs. And I'm like, it's okay. I've got this. <laughs> I've got this. So, I'm going to hit some boundaries now. Yeah, I've, I've got my eye in. Yep. I, that was just a complete and utter aberration that I didn't middle the last delivery. <laughs> anyway, so the bowler comes charged. Charging in, yes. not really. Yeah. The left armor comes in, and it's a half volley, and I'm just like dreaming, right? It's the dream. It's a half volley, and I swing, and I completely miss the ball by about a meter, and it takes out my middle peg, and the and the old man at the other end's just like, "What the hell?" So you sent me back. You say you've got it, and then you just miss it by about a meter and get oh bowled. Goodness. And I heard the stumps go down, and I turned around. I'm just like, "Oh great." <laughs> This is an old man telling me what to do. I stood up to him and I ended up getting I ended up getting bowled and I just I I walked back with my head in shame. But in my defense I scored more than my uncle and my two cousins combined wow. that day. So it wasn't a great batting performance by us, but 10, 10 wasn't bad. The wicket was... <laughs> it's a pretty was... good way to get out, though. <laughs> it's probably the first time you've ever stood up to someone as well. It must have been a big moment yeah, for you. Yeah, it was a big moment in my life, and I, it's the last time I did it, to be honest. <laughs> no, so... I, it was in the slot as well. That was the worst thing about it. It could have gone for runs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our stories from this week. Please let us know on the Facebook page. Um, it's posted right now. Oh, uh, no. Well, I was just saying we actually got one comment this week. Did on... we? Oh, good. So I feel like it, it doesn't have to be the funniest story yet, but I feel like if there's only one comment, we may as well... Uh... Okay, yeah. Tell us tell us our one story for the week. Uh, so, well, it's just a simple... Like, they've paraphrased it as such. But uh, when you get stitched up once because you, th- cause you thought they said... Wait... You stitched me up once thinking you said run, but you said nah. So <laughs> common that's one. That's a rough one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. Well, that's why you use, what is it, yes and no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let us know the post we'll got this week. What is your most embarrassing cricket story? And if it's a good one, we'll tell it next week. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that good as we've just proved to get on. <laughs> just have to actually post it and that will be good. Definitely. Up now, dummy M sound of silence. That was Dani M's Sound of Silence. Actually, the song she played at Eurovision in 2016. Just a random fact, because we have gone from being cricket by dummies to uh, Eurovision by dummies. I'm sure we could do that in a dummy sort of way. Anyways, we are going to move on to the Molly Strano interview part two. Here it is. You broke onto the international stage, I'd say, earlier in the year with your second T20 international arm, you got 5 for 10, which was actually the record for both Australian men and women against New Zealand. How was that? Did you just get in a rhythm and the wickets just kept coming? Yeah, it was a bit of a blur, actually. Um, we, were, we were playing down um, out down at Geelong, and there was a nice little breeze, which was like really assisting me and helping me out. So, yeah, it's just one of those days. I, You know, the ball comes out all right, and you know, the batters just managed to hit a few on the air and hit it to the fielders. And, you know, on another day, you know, a catch could go down or 
the ball could find the gap. So you sort of got to, you know, take take your luck and ride your luck in T20 because some days you feel like you can bowl really well, but you, you actually go the journey. And some days you feel like you don't bowl that well, but you, you manage to get some wickets. So, yeah, with, um, it can be T20 is quite fickle. So, yeah, it was, it was, as I said, it was a bit of a blur, but, um, you yeah, know, I was... Um, I was just pumped to be out there in the green and gold, to be honest, let alone take a few poles. But, yeah, it was a really special day and a day I won't forget. So that was your second T20. Are you worried it's all downhill from there in your international career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've probably peaked in my second game. I don't know if we can get much better than that. So, yeah, I've, only, I've got three T20 games under my belt, but <laughs> if I can manage to sort of replicate some of the some of the performances that I had in the, that second game, then I'd, I'd be pumped. <laughs> well... Whenever a young cricketer is growing up, right, and I'm sure you were dreaming of maybe playing on the MCG and scoring a century or getting five wickets if you're more interesting in bowling, are you disappointed that you got the five wickets at, down at Geelong? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Geelong's sort of like my second. I did all my schooling down there, so I actually do have a bit of a connection with the Geelong region, and I was lucky to have... Um, all my family and all my schoolmates there in the crowd that day, so I was actually pretty pumped to take him in Geelong, actually, because I had a, had a good contingent of friends in the crowd. So, no, I'm actually quite happy, to, um, more than happy to take a fly for it at Indian Park. But in, um, but in saying that, I'll, I'll take a fly for anywhere, to be honest. So, <laughs> no, it didn't bother me too much that I wasn't at the G, but I managed to make my um, T20 debut at the G. So, yeah, fun memories there. Uh, but, yeah, as I said, more than happy to take fly for anywhere, anytime. <laughs> Speaking of the T20s, um, I believe the squad is to be announced this Monday. Um, how are you, first of all, do you know whether or not you're in the team yet or, uh, sorry, in the squad yet? And if not, how confident are you in whether or not you're going to be selected? No, um, I, I don't know if I'm in the T20 um, Ashes squad yet. Um, yeah, I'll find out next week. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's actually it's a really tricky one because we don't play any T, T20 cricket leading up to that to the Ashes T20, so it's really hard to, you know, go out there and ply your trade and, and show the selectors um, how you're travelling and what you can do. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's just a bit of a nervous wait, I guess. Um, I'm not feeling overly confident because I think they'll probably stick with a similar setup. Um, but yeah, you can you can sort of just hope uh, hope and um, pray for the best. But yes, um, I'm I'm not I'm not sure if I'm in that in that squad yet, and I'll find out next week when the when the public find out too. You got to captain the Cricket Australia eleven recently. Did you enjoy doing it, or did you just wish um, Meg would come out and captain for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I didn't actually have to ply my trade as, as captain. Um, both games got washed out in the end, so that's a bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, um, captaincy is sort of a new thing for me. Um, uh, it's something I'm sort of still getting my head around, uh, um, and something I was actually really honoured to be um, asked to captain the team as well. So. Yeah, I was sort of disappointed I wasn't able to go out there and, um, and you know, lead the team because, um, yeah, we'll sort of knee-deep in water in Brisbane over the last four days because it's been raining quite heavily up there. So, yeah, disappointing not to get out there and, you know, apply my trade as captain. But, um, yeah, hopefully we get another opportunity um, in, the, in the future to come together as a CA team and um, play against um, the Australian team in the English team as a... Um, a practice day-night test, so hopefully I can sort of um, get get a spot in that um, in the CA11. But, yeah, I'll just have to wait and see for that as well. Now, on a less serious note, uh, one of the questions we love to ask our guests here is tea time snacks, they're an important part of cricket. What is your favourite tea time snack? Tea time snack? Ooh, my nan is in charge of um, 
the RVTs at our local club at EMP. Um, <laughs> so she does. It's it's just very plain and basic, but it's just ticks all the boxes. It's just um, my ideal lunch or tea snack is a chicken roll um, with lettuce, and it has to be real chicken too. So <laughs> that buys two roast chooks. You pull them all apart, gets the rolls out, gets the salads. And, yeah, just plain, basic chicken roll. It's my perfect um, cricket lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've talked about your Italian heritage and your complete and utter love of pasta. Would you be able <laughs> to go any period of your life without pasta? Um, well, I struggle. Like, if, when I go to India, you, you, it's, you struggle to get a spag bowl over there. So <laughs> I'm probably the longest I've gone... Uh, without pasta is probably two weeks um, and that's long enough so yeah I would struggle without um, you know regular um, pasta intake so yeah, yeah I would struggle Now back to the Ashes does it annoy you that none of the Ashes games in Melbourne it certainly annoys Alex and I Yeah I'm annoyed um, <laughs> it, um, I love going to watch as I said I'm a bit of a, uh, a tragic so I definitely would have been there Tunes girls on if there was a game in Melbourne, um, but yeah, well, hopefully once this new junction, uh, the new junction redevelopment's done, um, that'll be sort of a perfect venue to host um, women international games. So yeah, hopefully in the future we can see a few, um, we can see the Southern Stars down in Melbourne once once that ground's up and running. Yeah, they decided to play the test at the Allen Borderfield up in Brisbane. Do you think it's a bit of um, a waste of the opportunity to really see if they can get more people behind the Southern Stars? Yeah, they've got the opening match um, at AB the, um, on Sunday, and yeah, that's already a sellout. Because um, so yeah, it's sort of I guess disappointing that some people might not be able to get into the ground who wanted to go and watch. But um, yeah, it'll be a really good atmosphere. That it'll be you know it'll have a really good vibe because you know it'll be it'll be packed in there. So yeah, I think you know despite the disappointment of people potentially being turned away from the gate, I think there'll still be a really good vibe in the ground with you know a full house in there. You once missed the entire season of the WNCL with injury and there aren't too many fixtures for you in general to be able to prove yourself for the Australian side. Um, how, how deeply do you think the selectors will look into your dominant performances in, for the Renegades last year and your strong start for, in the WNCL this year given there is so little to look at? Yeah, that's, that's what I sort of mentioned before. It's really hard to, to push a case. Um, especially for the, the Ashes T20s because, as I said, we don't. I'm not going to play any T, T20 cricket before then and no one is going to play any T20 cricket until the Big Bash starts up in December. So uh, with the women's schedule being, um, you know, not as hectic as the men's, you don't really have, you know, that many opportunities to, you, to prove your wares. Um, so it does make it hard to put your name in front of the selectors and that's why I think they'll probably sort of stick with a similar team that starts the Ashes and the, the squad that they've picked for the ODIs and Test squad because... Yeah, there's no cricket around um, before then for people to go out and, you know, do their thing and try to put their name forward for selection. Well, if you feel like you need a warm-up, feel free to come down to the McKinnon 4th 11 and help uh, Alex and I out. <laughs> I can assure you the quality is very good. Uh, well, of... I don't want to come down and you guys smash me around and ruin my confidence, please, so I don't know. Please. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a look at some of these uh, bowlers and batsmen. A guy on the weekend hit a reverse pull shot for four on the weekend. <laughs> reverse pull shot? That takes a bit of talent, that does. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's, that's the standard we play at. Um, 
Yeah, no, we're very excited about the Ashes and we are very grateful for talking to you. We hope you do get to play a part later on in the series. Um, but keep killing it for the Vic Spirit. You're doing a fantastic job down there and super excited to see you play for the Renegades this season. I'm sure you'll be completely dominant yet again. You killed it last season and I'm sure it's going to keep on going. Oh, cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Thank you so much for talking to us, Molly. Thanks, Molly. No dramas. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Molly, for that. We're seriously privileged to have uh, Molly uh, come talk to us for a bit. That was it was awesome talking to international cricket players, both male and female. So, yeah, thanks to Molly if you're out there listening. Uh, thanks for actually hanging around this long. It's been uh, up and down at times. But, no, it's... It's always awesome interviewing people, isn't it, Alex? Oh, it's so much fun, and we're really grateful to have them, and she's so lovely. She was so kind to us, and she's so funny. So it was fantastic. Now it's time for your soon-to-be world-famous end segment. World-famous? Wait, wait, wait. It was world-famous before, wasn't it? We've gone from famous to world-famous. Alex, we are literally just broadcasting into Melbourne. But Melbourne's the centre of the world. Never mind. My point was soon-to-be. Soon-to-be. Okay. Well, I'm... Glad one of us has expectations of us making a good show because I do not share those. Anyways, shall I prove you right or wrong? Whenever you're ready. So we here at Cricket by Dummies, we we love mancad dismissals, don't we? Alex? Oh yeah, it's just the most professional thing you can do in a cricket yeah. field. So for those who don't know, because I feel it's a something that's not as well known, a mancad dismissal is essentially when the bowler's coming in to bowl and the batsman is backing up, that is, they're moving slowly out of their crease at the non-striker's end to get, like, an advantage so they're on the move to get the single. Uh, The bowler will uh, go to bowl and instead of actually letting go of the ball, will just take out the stumps next to him and run the guy out. So essentially, to put it simply, it is the biggest dog move in cricket. Pretty much, yeah. Short of underarming the ball, as we mentioned earlier. Yes. It's just about the lowest thing you can do. Yeah. And you would only do it if the game's on the line and you had zero dignity about yourself. Person, Yes. Personally, I would never do it. But under those circumstances, it's probably the only time when somebody might actually do it. Yeah. I did add in zero dignity about <laughs> themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. So let's cross to uh, Pakistan Domestic League because that is full of dignity, obviously, because domestic cricket is... Anyways, I'll leave that there. No, so there was a game in domestic league uh, in Pakistan b- between the two teams. Named, one of them was named uh, Peshawar, which is yes. fair enough. The other team was called the Water and Power Development Authority. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> so firstly, what sort of team is that? Like, it's, It must be like an institutional team, like the Cricket Australia 11 or something, but it's just the Water and Power Development Authority have their own <laughs> it's, side. It's an authority as well. Okay, so put it this way. What if like Shahid Afridi retired and went to work for the Water and Power Development Authority? And they're like... You know, with him, we could probably have a pretty decent team. And they're just like, oh, we'll make a team. And now Shahid Freedy and 10 guys in their mid-30s have never played cricket before in their lives playing in a game in domestic level. Yeah, for an authority. <laughs> if they got good enough, they might end up being a board. <laughs> Maybe that's the goal, to be the Water and Power Development Board. Maybe. Anyways, weirdest team name I've ever seen <laughs> yes. by a mile. Anyway, so the the water—I need like an acronym for this because I feel silly saying it in full every well, time. Well, it's it's water and Wadpa. 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 So Wadpa against Peshawar. So yep. Wadpa was uh, batting, and they needed four runs in the last innings to win the match, and they only had one wicket. So, as you can imagine, the batsman is uh, trying to get any advantage he can. Yeah. Bowler comes in to bowl and runs him out in the man-cad dismissal First way. ball of the last over. Yeah. And, wow. And, well, it wasn't the last over. It's a, it was a 
like a Sheffield Shield. Game. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. it was a four-day game, but yeah, it's yeah. the last day. Four runs, one wicket left. Who knows who's going to win? And yeah. there's a man cat dismissal, and wow. the re- the umpires went up to like the decision reviews or to the third umpire, and they gave him out. And so events like this draw all sorts of crowds on social media. So my favorite one of this. Like, this is actually what made me laugh, aside from Wadpa being a team name, <laughs> yeah. um, was Salman Butt, the, one of the... Former Pakistani player. Match fixer. Yes. Who literally came back this season because he was banned for five seasons for match fixing, <laughs> said this, was, this act was unsportsmanlike. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who fixes matches is deciding what's sportsmanlike and not. How can you <laughs> have is... any dignity about yourself? How can you, like, say that and take yourself seriously? That is hypocrisy at the highest level. That is like Tom Brady saying that it's 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 not very fair to deflate footballs. Yeah. Like, it is just so not okay. <laughs> yeah. And that so this is what he said, because the quotes just make it so much better. Yeah. So he's like, we had a great game. Oh, and by the way, Salmon Butt was the captain of Wadpa as Wait, well. so you're saying that what I suggested about it being a former Pakistani player that's just ahead of the team was exactly right, except I just got the wrong one? Yep. What? <laughs> Did you not mention to me that my incredible just idea of what this team was was... Oh, I am so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was the captain, so of course he was unhappy with it and yep. saying it's unsportsmanlike, which is great. But anyways, this is what he said. We had a great game, fully competitive throughout four days, which saw both teams' fortunes fluctuate, and suddenly this man-cutting spoiled it. Sportsman's spirit should have been the top priority, but the game didn't end in a proper way. What's the point of this law when the opponent team, despite winning, apologises to us? Well, what's the point of it if, despite your team losing when you match-fixed, you apologise to them? <laughs> That's <laughs> how, appalling. How that can is, he live with himself? That is appalling. And he, well, rightly, he missed five seasons. Yeah, he did. Um, but the irony in that is off the charts. Yeah, I, there would be a lot of media institutions out there that would not have the stones to come out and call out some of them, but, but we will. Mr. Butt, you are a bad man. <laughs> a bad, bad man. <laughs> you are a bad, bad man. And I just, I can't believe that. That's appalling. You should know better because you know what it's like to cheat. So you should, not only should you recognize it when you see it other places, but you should at least have some understanding. Maybe it's just mad that they didn't get paid for it. Yeah. I mean, he got paid though. Why can he yeah, be he unhappy? <laughs> Anyways, Anyways it's been a great show. Well, maybe that's how we're getting world famous. Uh, we're calling out someone yeah, on the other side of the planet. Solomon Butt comes and complains. Yeah. We're getting a Twitter fight with Solomon Butt. Oh, my oh, God. That'll be great fun. Yes. Um, anyways, it's been a great show tonight. Uh, we spoke to the fantastic Molly Strano. Um, thank you so much to her. Uh, did some great other things. Please let us know on Facebook about uh, story time. Yeah. So uh, your most embarrassing story. Yeah, I'll post that tomorrow rather than on Sunday just to give you all time for that. And the podcast will probably be up tomorrow. So if you happen to have missed portions of this show or you missed last week or any other previous shows, you can go listen to that. It's on the Sin website or on our Facebook page, um, all the right places. Next week, we have a great show, probably, I don't know, (laughs) assuming we get it planned in time. (laughs) No, We've got some ideas we've got, which we've got are well and truly in the making and we're looking forward to presenting to you next week. Definitely. We may even have an interview. I was going to, you know, tease some of the potential people, but you've already you've already spoiled one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you spoil... Anyways, we won't get into this now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you had a good as good a time as we did. And you have been listening to Cricket by Dummies. My I'm, name is Alex Henry. I'm Chuck. 
and goodbye. Thank you.